You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everybody, it's Erin Carey and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today I am speaking with Amy Spindle. She is a functional holistic nutritionist. I have been trying to get her on my show for forever, it seems like, and she's finally here. So let me share a little bit about Amy. She is, like I said, a functional holistic nutritionist with a mission to help moms and kids feel happier, calmer, and more energetic so that they can enjoy their best life. She applies a multidisciplinary approach, exploring and supporting mind, body, and spirit to determine and then provide support around the root causes of why someone does not feel their best. She received her master's in holistic nutrition from Hawthorne University with additional training from the School of Applied Functional Medicine and also holds a master's in social work from Columbia University. She is board certified in holistic nutrition, applied functional medicine certified, a certified gluten-free practitioner and trained in culinary arts. That's a fun bonus. Amy owns Food with Thought Nutrition, a functional nutrition and health coaching practice in Plano, Texas. She additionally works in the clinical education department at the School of Applied Functional Medicine. She enjoys gardening, hiking with her husband and son, traveling, board games, reading, and playing the flute. So Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure and I'm excited. I'm excited too. I really love the idea of digging into what is functional medicine and why we need it in the new year, because I think health has taken the spotlight <laughs> for the last couple of years, yes. um, but maybe not in the way all of us would prefer. So um, functional medicine is a fascinating area that I think is blowing up. So can you share a little bit what functional medicine is? And because I think there's, there's a lot of confusion about it. Yeah, I know. That's a, a very fair question. Um, it is basically a different way of viewing the body and how the body works. So we're looking with a really holistic wide angle lens at all of the different areas of the body and how they are interconnected and how one system impacts another system, which may impact another system. So gone are the days of a specialist for the head or a specialist for the gut. We're really looking at, okay, how does the gut and the brain work together? And why might that be producing dysfunction? And could that be producing some dysfunction that the person's feeling in their toe? Right. So these very, very separate things that may have an underlying same root cause. And then we don't just try to put a bandaid on it and address the symptoms. We want to go after that root cause. We want to address why the person is on this trajectory to have symptoms in various parts of the bodies so that we can really get at that, resolve that for them, and then let them go on and, and optimize their health and their wellness. Yeah, I love that because we are seeing that so many things are interconnected and they're not quite as separate as we thought. And what you do mm -hmm. for one part of the body can impact another part. Can you give an example of, of where that would show up? Yeah. So a great way where that often shows up is in the gut. Um, we'll see poor digestion and the same person with poor digestion might experience tingling in their fingers and toes, or might be experiencing some depression or anxiety. And when we really drill down to it, maybe that person is having a really hard time digesting and absorbing vitamins, especially B6, B12. And if we don't have enough B12, it can make our red blood cells really, really big, which means that our blood cells can't get adequately into our fingers and toes, which makes them cold. 
And B6 and B12 deficiencies have been implicated in depression and anxiety. Mm. So here we're looking at a problem with digestion, but it's really branching out to different areas of the body. Mm-hmm. I love that you explained that. So I, I want to say simply, it's not simple. <laughs> it's a complicated <laughs> process, but you explained it so clearly that it makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, and I think everybody's hearing a lot about gut health and, you know, Hippocrates said it many, many years ago that disease mm-hmm. begins in the gut, but we're finding yeah. that to be true. And that's a big focus for functional medicine as well. Right. It is almost every single person that comes seeking support. I've I find with them that there is something going on with their gut it might be digestion. It might be some kind of, um, immune imbalance that's leading to microbial overgrowth or undergrowth. Um, but often we will see that once we start addressing the gut, other pieces start to fall into place and they may experience areas of symptom relief that they had no idea were connected, which is always fun. <laughs> yeah. Symptom relief is key because I think, and maybe that's, a good question too, because I think a lot of people are taking medication. They're seeing all of the different specialists, but they're not getting symptom relief. And to me, that's a big concern that if we're taking something that's supposed to provide some kind of relief, but we're not getting it, or it's causing something else, maybe we need to try something different. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, to that point, we're seeing so much polypharmacy too, where there are some providers and, you know, they're afraid to remove any of the medications that previous providers have put into place or they're seeing new side effects popping up from some of the old medications. And instead of trying to figure out why is this causing problems or why is that problem in existence to begin with that needs a medication, you know, what is that root cause? They're just stacking more and more medications on top. Mm. And then that then makes it so clouded and complicated to figure out from a functional perspective, what's contributing to what, because there can be so many medication effects yeah. on top of the root cause symptoms. So, yeah, that's so true. So what drew you to functional medicine? Cause I mean, I see here that you have a master's in social work. And so I, that, yeah. that's interesting. You, is that, was that your first career? And I'm on my third career and have to laugh okay. about it because life okay. has just taken me in unexpected directions. Um, I get it. So I started out in mental health and I loved my clients. They were doing amazing work. You know, they were digging so deep and they were exploring and making huge headway, but they just were never getting to the point where I thought that they would be able to accomplish. And as I was digging a little bit deeper, you know, we would talk sometimes about diet and a lot of my clients would come in and and just say, oh yeah, I'm eating all this processed food, but it really doesn't matter. Or, you know, I have all of these medications that I'm taking for all of these illnesses. And, you know, I've not felt well mentally since, but you know, the doctor says, this is what I need to do. And it just always made me think about, well, maybe something is missing. I don't know quite what it is, but something might be missing. And they say the average life of a social worker is about six years. And Mm -hmm. so I hit the six year point and burned out, um, just working with some really, really intense mental health clients. And I thought, well, Hey, you know, this might be a great opportunity to just explore culinary arts because that's more creative. I'm not gonna, you know, be in situations as deep with clients as, you know, if I was decorating a cake. (laughs) So I explored that for a while and I really fell in love with my nutrition class, but I kind of put it on the back burner and was working as a pastry chef in Dallas for a bit. And then my son was born and I knew I couldn't really keep up with the chef lifestyle, but then he had a ton of health issues. Um, He was allergic to gluten, dairy, soy, corn, strawberries, and citrus Mm, and eggs. So you can't be a chef and be tasting your food and then be so restricted unless you're really in a niche market. Um, So it kind of killed my career, but I'm grateful for it because it really led me down the path of, okay, what are we gonna do for my child? he's miserable. He's not sleeping. Um, he had celiac at 18 months. I mean, just not the kind of typical 
stuff that you would expect for a happy, healthy breastfed child. Um, and the, we, we saw some great functional integrative practitioners and we just weren't quite getting at the nut of what was going on. So I threw my hands up in the air and said, I'm just going back to school. I need to figure this out. I have no other choice at this point. Um, so I enrolled in my holistic nutrition program and about halfway through, I enrolled in the School of Applied Functional Medicine and I just pushed it hard and came out the other end and he's doing awesome. And we figured out what was going on for him. Um, I was able to really support my gut health and I'm now supporting my family's health. And it's just been a really fabulous journey. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, sometimes we just have to go through really hard stuff to get to the place in life where we're meant to be. Um, I, yeah, I love that you should. Thank you for sharing that, because I think that that's encouraging for a lot of people who are, are maybe told, oh, just talk to the experts. Don't, yep. don't do your own digging. Don't do your own research. Because I know for me, for my own health and for my youngest child as well, I had to, I had to do the digging and we are so digging. much better for it. Um, but it is, you know, it is controversial these days. It shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I have to say some of my best favorite clients are the ones that have come in and said, look, I've, you know, put all these pieces together. I just don't know what to do next. Like they're so well-educated by the time they find me, they just need help implementing the next steps. And it's phenomenal because they've really taken ownership over their health journey or their children's health journey, and they're ready to do the work. They're so motivated. They're so knowledgeable. We just need to put the pieces into place in a path. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to get to talking about how to put those pieces together. But before we do, I want to take a second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. It is my favorite time of year to cozy up with a good book, but I've got stuff to do. So that is why I love Audible and listening to books on audio. You can listen to exclusive stories, original podcasts, and more. Discover your holiday love story with Audible. Enjoy brand new Audible originals like Hold Me Closer, Tony Danzig, and There's Something About Mary, spelled M-E-R-R-Y, and Christmas Podcast. Woof. Keep the fire going with romance favorites like Eight Winter Nights and Nick and Noel's Christmas Playlist. Tis the season to get cozy. And if you've got stuff to do and you're on the go, you can listen to Audible when you're doing laundry, you're wrapping presents, you're in your car going from one place to the next. Go to audible.com slash holiday romance. That's audible.com slash holiday romance romance. Listen now only from Audible. Okay, Amy, let's get back to your work as a functional medicine practitioner. Tell me more about that. What do you do with clients and and how does it all work? Yeah. So, you know, I, I really encourage partnering with my clients. I'm not the kind of practitioner where they show up in my office and I tell them what to do and then we move on. Um, I really want to understand what's going to work for them, what fits into their life. And part of that is understanding where they've been so far. So, you know, since in utero, since birth, what has their experience been in life? How have their experiences really impacted their trajectory of health? And how has that really culminated in, in where they are today? So we work together to uncover their history. You know, we're, we're not only looking at physical, we're also looking at mental, emotional trauma, um, different events that may have happened to them that has thrown the body for a loop different kinds of stress, different kinds of environmental exposures. Um, sometimes we look at how genetics may be adding an extra layer. What is their diet looking like? Um, all of these different pieces, because they all culminate together in what our ultimate health looks like. 
so we work together to, to explore and discover. And um, as we talked about with functional medicine, you know, the interconnectedness is so important. So we really want to understand where the pieces are fitting together. Um, how has maybe an experience in utero or an experience in early childhood set them off on a trajectory that may be impacting symptoms 30, 40, 50 years later? Yeah, yeah, because it all plays a role. And I'm glad that you touched on trauma because that is something the more, you know, my husband is a licensed professional counselor. So he's right now getting trained in EMDR, which is an amazing trauma therapy. But I, I'm just fascinated by I don't know if you've read the body keeps the score, but just how our body physically responds to trauma and the T cells and the B cells and the nervous system dysfunction is yes. so huge. Can you explain a little bit about the uh, sympathetic parasympathetic and, and how that's supposed to work together and balance? Because I think that's something that we don't talk about enough and, and it really needs to be addressed. Yes. And, you know, I see in a lot of my clients, especially those with gut dysfunction, which I said is just about everybody, mm -hmm. yeah. um, they're, they're having nervous system imbalances. And so we can think about the nervous system as, you know, being in rest and digest kind of mode, which is the parasympathetic mode, um, which we consider more healing and calm and where we really want to be on a day-to-day -day basis. And the opposite of that would be the sympathetic mode, which is more of that fight, flight, freeze. Um, where we're being attacked by a tiger. Mm -hmm. And I like to tell my clients, our body doesn't know if the tiger is actually a tiger or it's that taxes are due or it's that stress and, and fight that we just had with a spouse um, or the pathogens living in our gut. You know, there's so many different ways that our body could perceive a stressful event, but it all registers in the same way of this fight, flight, freeze. And when our nervous system is in fight, flight, freeze chronically, like so many Americans are, it can really set us up for these very chronic stress patterns. And when we're in this stress mode, our immune system is suppressed. So we can have all kinds of overgrowths occurring. Um, digestion is not a priority because are you going to survive or are you going to break down that salad that you just managed to eat? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And that's such a good way to look at it. Now, I want to take a second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by StoryWorth. This holiday season, I want to give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship we share. That's why I'm giving everyone I care about StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It is a thoughtful and meaningful gift that connects you to those who matter most. I love the way they do this. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought to ask, like, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? Or what were your grandparents like? That was a fun one that my dad recently got, which I love to know about because I didn't know my dad's grandparents, my great grandparents very well. And so it was really neat to read that. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved ones' stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. I am so excited for my kids to get the StoryWorth book from my parents and hearing their stories, and they will be able to share those stories with their children. Reading the weekly stories helps connect you with loved ones no matter how near or far apart you are. I really love recently my dad got the question, have you ever talked in your sleep or did you ever sleepwalk? And when he was 12 years old, he actually, 
in his sleep, got on his bike and rode his bike over to his neighbor's house and knocked on the door. And the way he tells the story is hilarious. And that is definitely a story that I want passed down to my kids. So I love StoryWorth and I cannot explain how how great it's been to read these, these special stories for my parents. And with StoryWorth, I am giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com slash Spark and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash spark to save $10 on your first purchase. Okay, Amy, getting back to this whole sympathetic fight or flight mode and the impact on our health, what else is going on in that state? So our digestion is impaired, our nutrient absorption is impaired, we're, we're not getting what we need to out of our food. Maybe it's leading to a really fast transit time when we have diarrhea. So our minerals are all getting flushed out at the same time. Um, It just causes various imbalances in the body. And so if we're thinking about nervous system dysfunction and overall health and healing, it's, it's really something that just about everybody needs to focus on in order to restore immune function, in order to just restore tone and support the entire body as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm so glad that you are explaining that because I I think it is so key. And I don't think that most people realize, like, I I don't even think I realized until a few years ago that I spent most of my life in freeze mode. And Mm. even if you look at like polyvagal charts and things, I've always been very proud of my low resting heart rate. Right. And I've always (laughs) been like, Oh, I have this low resting heart and I just must be in really good shape. I think I've just been in freeze mode, you know? So it's like our body picks up on what's going on in our brain. And that's, that's key for healing, yes. right? Yes, that is such an important point. And I love that. And you know, one of the things that I do with all my clients is I'll have them breathe for me. And it sounds mm-hmm. so strange, but I have them put one hand just up on their chest and one hand on their belly. And I just ask them to inhale and notice where there's movement because I will see so many people chest breathing. And, mm. you know, if you think about how our brain and our body talk back and forth, if we are invoking chest breathing, that's fight or flight. That's, I don't have time to catch a good breath. I need to oxygenate really fast. So I better Mm. breathe really, really shallow because I got to run. And there's so many people who are just breathing so shallow and it just reinforces this pattern of fight, flight. Oh, absolutely. And isn't it funny that breathing is like the one thing that we could recommend to people to do, but it's the hardest thing. Why is it so hard to get people to breathe? I know I ask my clients to breathe for 27 seconds a day. (laughs) Even that can be hard to to squeeze in for some people. Yeah. 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 It is hard. So let's talk a little bit more just about practicality of, of working, you know, working with a functional medicine practitioner, working with someone like you, I, I think a lot of people would say, well, that's expensive and insurance doesn't cover it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what do you say to things like that? Yeah. I mean, I can definitely appreciate the concern about that, but I also recognize that by the time my clients get to me, they've seen three, four, five, 10, 15 other providers over the course of years. And those providers are all running lots and lots and lots of invasive tests and they're not coming to any conclusions and Hey, your labs look great. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, it must be in your head. Mm. So I can appreciate the expense that a lot of those people have put in. I had one client show up and she had spent $17,000 in the past year, not getting any answers just on all of these, these really high end lab tests and treatments. And she was still no better for it. So I can definitely appreciate the concern then of coming in for a functional provider where maybe it's not covered by insurance or maybe only a portion of it is covered by insurance. And certainly a lot of the functional tests are not covered by insurance. 
but the tests that we do are very different than the typical tests that the doctors um, in a conventional setting may do. And we tend to get more answers mm. so that we can actually move forward. I find it very, very rare that I have people obtain lab work and then everything looks fine. I have never seen one stool test come back where everything looks fine and we couldn't act on it. I have never seen one organic acids test come back totally clean where we, there was nothing to act on. So it's more targeted testing. It may have a higher price tag than people are necessarily used to, but we actually get somewhere with it. I like that. I think that's helpful. So what kind of labs, like, so let's just give an example, especially, you know, I'm, I'm always going to want to talk about mental health. That's my favorite. Uh-huh. So <laughs> if we have somebody who say they are um, super anxious, really stressed out, they're taking medication, maybe they're on an antidepressant, anti-anxiety, whatever it is. Um, and and every, their labs look fine from a conventional standpoint, what labs mm-hmm. would you look at that are different and what would it tell you? Yeah. So actually what I, typically do with people, I tend to be very conservative in terms of ordering labs and figuring it out. So I would want to do a history first Mm -hmm. um, and really see what I might be able to infer, because oftentimes I can then take my inferences, look at their dietary pattern and see what gaps might be there in terms of nutrients, and then look at just standard labs. So we're talking about a complete blood count or a comprehensive metabolic panel or a lipid panel or iron labs, Um, things that they would be getting anyway from their general practitioner when they do a Um, just, you know, a well check, a physical every year, a thyroid panel, things like that. Um, And it can often glean a lot of information that way and just understand if there might be some dysfunction in nutrients or digestion and absorption. Um, From there, especially with mental health, one of the most common tests that we will reach for if we need more understanding is an organic acids test. And I love this test because it tells us about different nutrients and if they're actually getting into the cell, not just if they're present in the body, because just because we're eating something doesn't mean the body can use it. So we want to make sure it's using it. Um, And it's also really great for testing neurotransmitters. So we can get some feedback about how well serotonin is being produced and broken down and converted, how well dopamine is being produced, converted into epinephrine, norepinephrine. And that can tell us, um, especially, you know, if there's anxiety symptoms, ADHD symptoms, if there's a block in a pathway that might be a nutrient, um, it will suggest sometimes that there's heavy metal toxicity that we need to dig further into. And and look at clearing some of that because heavy metals can certainly contribute to Mm -hmm. mental health issues too and metabolic dysfunction. So it could be a really nice test. Um, And of course we have stool testing, which is a really great thing, um, especially if the person has a history of maybe a not so stellar diet, um, which will impact the microbes there or lots and lots of antibiotics. Um, You know, we can look at that trajectory and, and understand if there might be some kind of dysfunction going on there. Um, most of our serotonin and dopamine is produced in the gut. And there's a direct feedback to the brain through the vagus nerve in in terms of neurotransmitters that way. And so if there is some dysfunction that is impairing any of the development or production of neurotransmitters because of these microbes that might be having a party there, but we didn't want them to have, um, we can experience that in our mental health. So that could be a very nice way to further check and see if mental health um, is really stemming from the gut in that way. Yeah. I think that's so huge. And it's like those, I look back at my own health history and I'm like, Oh, I wish I had those, you know, I wish I had testing like that. I wish I knew more. Of course, you know, 20 years ago when I was struggling most, we didn't have a lot of this information. This is all pretty new. And so I think maybe, do you think that's why it makes people more hesitant to look at functional medicine? Um, Do you get any kind of pushback about that? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, 
what I always say to my clients too, is I'm going to work with you until we hit a wall and then we'll need to order some testing unless there's a really, really clear reason to order it up front. Mm. Um, because if they come in and their diet is really insufficient in a lot of nutrients, I know that as soon as we start incorporating more fiber, as soon as we start incorporating more plant-based foods, their microbiome is going to shift. Mm. It may help to resolve stuff. If that person is so stressed out every time they eat and they're not chewing their food, and they're in fight or flight, so the body's not digesting, just getting them to slow down and address those kinds of behaviors can shift the entire gut. Mm -hmm. So I tend to try to lay the foundations with people before we jump into spending money on testing. And I think by that point, because they've started to see some positive changes by just doing all the stuff that's free, low hanging fruit, they're ready to then invest the money in um, some of this more advanced testing to get them over the hump where they might be stuck at that point. Yeah. So can you tell me maybe a few examples of, of how you have helped people address their mental health issues through functional medicine? Yeah, definitely. Um, a, a few specific individuals come to mind and I'll kind of just summarize to protect their confidentiality. But um, one was eating gluten, though diagnosed previously with celiac. Um, and we know that gluten can be a big component of, of mental health issues. Um, especially depression, anxiety, ADHD kind of symptoms, brain fog, which this person was complaining of when they came in. Um, this person also had a really poor appetite. And so because they weren't eating, wasn't getting a lot of nutrients in and you know, had some guesses that they were deficient in B12, B6, um, folate, zinc, magnesium, um, omegas, just based on what the dietary pattern looked like. And we pulled some basic, basic labs. And sure enough, all of those things came up. Um, so the very first thing that we did was just pull out gluten and within two weeks, mental clarity increased ADHD symptoms, decreased appetite increased, which was great because then the person was able to really eat more of a whole foods diet, um, and get more nutrients in. And then we started supplementing nutrients in as well. And the depression and the anxiety are resolving. So it's been really fun to watch and hasn't taken that much time, which has been fantastic. And that was just removing, you said this person was diagnosed with celiac before yes. or, okay. So, and it was just, mm -hmm. but would you say, have you noticed a difference in removing gluten for people who struggle with mental health issues, even who aren't diagnosed with celiac? Yes, because it doesn't have to be a celiac type of autoimmune reaction to still have an impact on the immune system. Mm. And when the immune system gets ramped up, we get a lot of inflammation and the inflammation, because what's going on in the gut where the gluten is triggering the problem goes right up to the brain because of that vagus nerve. Yeah. So we will see a, a lot of brain issues, cognitive issues, mental health issues connected yeah. with gluten. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, and I've, this is horrible, but I've done this for myself <laughs> and, and it's, I, maybe, I guess I am a good person to experiment on, but last year I'm, cause I've tried, you know, I'm really good about limiting certain things just to take care of my brain health, because that's always mm -hmm. going to be number one. And it was last December, we were going through a really stressful time. And I just went on a free for all gluten, dairy, which dairy and minor do small doses, not as big of a deal. It never shows up on a sensitivity test, but you know, it's it causes a little bit of fog. And I just, I mean, alcohol, sugar, all of it, just free for all. And I'll tell you, December 25th, Christmas day, I crashed and I could tell my nervous system was off the wall. Like I was just feeling some mixed mood episodes. And so I think that I think sometimes even I think to myself, oh, it's fine. It's no big deal. It's just a little bit, but I think for some people, a cumulative amount can make an impact. And I just share that because we, 
there's some people that they don't know until they go off. Right. Right. A hundred percent. And I love that you're sharing your experience because there's so many people that walk into our offices and don't feel well. And once they pull out the gluten, they're like, Oh, there's something else. (laughs) I have the ability to experience life in a different way. Like they've just been feeling so crappy for so long. This has kind of become the norm. And, you know, it becomes this really dramatic difference, kind of like what you're describing. It's not just like, I don't feel well, but it's a dramatic, oh, wow, I really didn't feel well. Cause look at how great I feel now. Mm-hmm. That's so. what it is. I think a lot of people don't realize how bad they feel until they start feeling better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then they have a lapse and like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I really Mm -hmm. can't do this. I owe it to myself to not do this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, you know, I think sometimes when we do make those strides, we look back and it's like, oh, remember when I could just, you know, go on a free for all and it didn't affect me, but it did. It It just was on a small scale, you know, or or that built up to a larger scale. So, I mean, you know, it's Mm -hmm. all, it all makes a difference. So I'm, I'm glad that you're sharing this. Yeah. Um, can we talk for a minute about, cause this is something, and this has come up, actually, I've gotten some questions about this recently, just from people on Instagram about the birth control pill and how that impacts mental health. Because I know for me, again, this is another puzzle piece I've put together on my mental health, being prescribed the birth control pill at a very young age, within a year, I was prescribed an antidepressant. And I know that there is a direct correlation there. I know we have the studies on that, but I kind of want to know what is it that causes that? Yeah, no, that's a fair question. And we see this all the time. And the issue really is within the oral contraceptive pill, the estrogen in the gut. And it's the estrogen that is pulling tryptophan, which is a needed ingredient for serotonin away from serotonin production. And it raises a substance called kynurinate. And so as kynurinate is increasing from all of this tryptophan that's been stolen from the serotonin pathway, we need more and more enzymes to break it down, which creates a deficit of vitamin B6. And vitamin B6 is critical for mental health. It is so important for serotonin for dopamine production, which then impacts other neurotransmitters. And so this kind of deficiency of of B6 is what is causing these mental health issues for people that are on the oral contraceptive pill. I mean, there's there's really direct correlation. Um, And I've noticed as I, I look at people's diet logs all the time, a lot of people are just not eating decent amounts of B6. So they're already kind of in the hole. So when you add years and years and years of this depleting medication on top of it, you know, we can really start to see some significant dysfunction. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's so interesting. And I know for me, I was already predisposed to B6 as many people are, you know, mm-hmm. they don't absorb our B vitamins well, or, you know, there, maybe there's the genetic snips or whatever, who knows. Yeah, um, that's but that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about how to, I mean, I love what you mentioned about slowing down for digestion. You know, we eat our food so fast and it just mm-hmm. keeps us in that fight or flight state just some ways to optimize our gut health, maybe eating hygiene, you know, tools like that, that we hear about, but we brush aside because like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't impact me. Yeah. So it's all about mindfulness and just creating an environment where we can enjoy and appreciate what is in front of us. Um, so some families and individuals prefer to do that by saying grace at the table. And that's a really Mm -hmm. good introduction to just focus on the task at hand, which is eating, right? Not driving, not watching TV, not (laughs) arguing, just sitting and eating, um, which comes into the second point of eating hygiene, right? Having that space where you're going to eat, um, so that you know that this is the environment where I'm going to have my meal and it cues the body to start to slow down and prepare. 
And then if we engage all of our senses, that further helps to stimulate our digestion, right? It's called the cephalic phase of digestion. You want to get technical, mm -hmm. but what it really means is stop and smell your food, stop and look at your food. You know, when you put that first bite in your mouth, savor it, understand what you're tasting. Think about the flavors. Think if it's sweet or bitter or salty or sour um, and, and how you feel about that. And if you're enjoying it and all of this really triggers digestive juices all the way downstream. So it's going to increase our stomach acid, which is going to increase release of enzymes and release of bile. And the long and the short of it is that's going to help us break down our protein. It's going to help us break down our carbs. It's going to help us get our fats in and emulsified. And all of this is going to help our body actually bring that food on board. Um, and of course, part of this chewing, you know, we were talking about chewing before and laughing about it, but there are so many people that barely chew their food. And it's, you know, maybe a bite, like one, two, three, it's down the hatch. Mm -hmm. And we've really done ourselves a big disservice because that mechanical grinding in the mouth with the teeth is not only creating more surface area where downstream, the stomach acid, the bile, the enzymes can act on it and further break it down. Um, but you also have digestion starting in the mouth. You have carbohydrates getting broken down. Um, and it's, it's really just triggering all these other processes in the body mm -hmm. to get ready because foods are coming. Yeah, it's important. And I, and I think it's important even for our food to look pretty <laughs> again, mm -hmm. engaging the senses. And so I talk about like, yeah. have all the colors on your plate, you know, oh, have a red yeah, and a green and a yellow. Yeah. Cause it looks, when it looks better, it's more appealing. When it's more mm -hmm. appealing, we think more positive thoughts When we think more positive thoughts. We break our food down, but I mean, it's just, yeah. it sounds so simple. And I think for some people, this sounds so woo woo, but mm -hmm. it's not like you said, it's the There's science behind it. Yeah. Cephalic, cephalic phase. Uh-huh. Phase. Uh-huh. And I think even what was I reading recently about there's a blood sugar um response, even when we're thinking about things that are carby or sweet that goes along oh, that's with interesting. that. Super that's interesting. It's in the um <laughs> book, The Slowdown Diet, which I found okay. out about through SAFM. So <laughs> um it's like all this information. And I, I didn't even add that, but um Amy is. A clinical in clinical education, right through School of Applied Functional Medicine, which is where I'm attending right now. And I am obsessed with all of the <laughs> knowledge that I'm getting. And so I could just ask Amy a thousand questions because I know she knows the answers because I see her <laughs> comments in our big group calls. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the way we think about our food makes an impact and makes a difference. And how does that play a role with when you're trying to get people to change habits, you know, for mental health reasons, you know, like knowing people are stressed out, they're anxious. So they're going through the drive-through, they're eating their food in under five minutes. How can we help them see the benefit in slowing down, eating things that are going to maybe take a little more time to prepare? Yeah, it can be very challenging. And especially because when we don't feel well, we tend to go towards the faster stuff, the stuff that's available, definitely the higher carb, higher sugar kinds of foods, which may temporarily boost our serotonin and give us that feel good. But in the long term, really just tanks us, depletes us of energy and more minerals and nutrients. So it's challenging. I think this is where the coaching piece comes in. And I highly, highly encourage anybody who's working with clients or patients within functional medicine or any other field to just get some basic coaching. I don't need to do a full certification program, but just some basic motivational interviewing skills or um, just supporting people to think through, like, how are you going to make these changes? Um, because that's really what's going to help them to imagine something different. Mm -hmm. What is this person's ultimate goal? Okay. If this is your ultimate goal to feel better, what do we need to do to get you there? 
okay, breaking that down even further, if your first obstacle is you have to go through the drive-through, how can we figure out a way to get more wholesome foods that are maybe already pre-prepared? Yeah. Could we swap this out with something healthier at a more natural grocery store as opposed to the drive-through? Or is there a healthier fast food if that needs to be the option for this week to get you over this hump of really not feeling well because of the crappy food? Um, what needs to come next? Do you know how to cook? Do you have pots and pans? Can we help you choose one pot? Can I you know, support you in cooking one kind of vegetable? Um, you know, what's something that you may not have tried before that you're interested in trying, but scares the, the crap out of you. <laughs> How can we teach you how to cook that in an easy way? Yeah. Um, so really just breaking things down for people in a concrete manner. I find that my clients, because they have been through so much and they're feeling so lousy and they want to feel so different are willing to experiment and see what's going to work. Um, and, and are willing to take those steps forward. They just need the guidance and, and the baby step breakdowns. Yeah. 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 Baby steps. I think that's important because none of us got to those of us who are into all of this. We didn't get to where we are by taking huge leaps. It was the baby steps and and just a little bit here, a little bit there that all makes a huge difference. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it is intimidating for people who have always, always eaten packaged prepared foods, which is many people right now. I mean, we're reaching Mm -hmm. people in their fifties, sixties who have only grown up um, packaged processed food. I mean, if we think about historically how that has shifted in the last 50, 60 years. And so now it's like people looking at a zucchini going, what do I do with this? You know, um, of course we have, you know, cauliflower rice and zucchini noodles, and now we can, you know, (laughs) all these fancy ways to have vegetables, but still that's intimidating. It is intimidating. I mean, even just to think about how it gets from my refrigerator to the stove, to my plate, you know, not in a spiralized fancy (laughs) kind of form, Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I I talk to my clients about is just how to roast a vegetable. You know, you chop it up, you toss it with olive oil, you stick it in the oven at 350. Mm -hmm. Set the timer for 15 minutes or whatever it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And for some people, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I, I um, am always so excited when I hear from someone that I'm, I'm eating more vegetables and I feel better mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. going to the bathroom. <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's the other thing. That is definitely, we, you know, let's go there because that impacts our mental health. If we yeah. are not pooping, we are storing so much and that I, there's such a link between anxiety and IBS and um, poop issues. So <laughs> let's go there. I mean, how, how yeah. often should people be going to the bathroom? Yeah, so people should be going to the bathroom at least once a day, but ideally formed, right? So not a diarrhea kind of stool because then we're going to be losing nutrients because Mm. it's too watery and it's coming through too fast. Um, So we want to be aiming for one time a day. And I think the average amount of fiber for an American is somewhere around 10 grams. The USDA recommends about 27 to 29 grams, depending on if you're male or female. Indigenous cultures are eating above 40 to 50 grams of fiber. So, I mean, it really tells you something about just in terms of the the quality of food that we're getting, right? Because fiber is coming from whole grains, fruits, Mm. vegetables predominantly, and we're just not eating enough of those foods in the diet Mm. or we'd be seeing higher fiber. And fiber not only allows for motility through the GI tract, it really keeps stuff moving through. And I find a lot of my constipated clients are eating five to 10 grams of fiber a day. Um, but we also have to think about our gut microbes. We're not only eating for us, we're eating to feed our gut microbes and our gut microbes. The ones that we want to be there are the ones that love fiber. So we're, we're starving them when we're not eating enough fiber and the microbes part of their job is to help keep the stool moving. 
if we have an imbalance of microbes, we can end up constipated. If we don't have enough bifidobacteria, that's typically the one that creates constipation dynamic. And we'll find that when we replenish these microbes, um, motility increases and, and people start having regular bowel movements. But really, do we need to supplement a probiotic or do we just need to feed them more fiber, right? And increase our diet because then we're getting all the nutrients out of that fiber too, all of those vitamins and minerals. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that's interesting to note um, that if things are, if it's too runny, you could be losing nutrients. Yeah. I don't think many people realize that because if you're going, you're going, you know, mm-hmm. and not everybody's paying attention to the shape that it's in. It's just like, right. yep, I've got my one in, and, Done but, the for the shape, <laughs> but the shape is important because if it's too loose, mm-hmm. everything that you should be utilizing and holding on to is leaving. Yeah. Oftentimes when it's too loose, it signifies a really slow transit time. So we want to be going somewhere between roughly 17 and like 27, 28 hours ish after we eat, because that gives enough time in the digestive tract for our gut cells to harvest and for our microbiome to harvest the nutrients that are in there. So if it's too, too fast, we're just losing all of those nutrients to the toilet. Um, and, and we'll typically tend to see a looser stool and that could be, you know, from too much stress, because again, if we're in flight or flight mode, the priority is not to digest the priority is just clear stuff out so that we can keep running. Um, or it could be from microbial imbalances and, you know, of course, other reasons too, we won't be able to get into all of that now, but (laughs) we, we definitely want to pay attention to how long it takes for our food to pass through. Um, and you know, if you don't mind, I can share with listeners just a transit time test that they can do at home. Um, to just check and see how long it takes, but you can consume either a couple of capsules of charcoal or eat a bunch of beets all in one sitting. Or if you tolerate corn, you could do some corn kernels all in one sitting and just pay attention to your bowel movements after that. Because when that all starts coming out, that tells you how long it has taken since you've eaten those foods to then show up. Okay. Oh, that's, that's so interesting. So if it's charcoal, you said charcoal beets or Mm -hmm. corn, you'll notice it in the, you'll notice it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you want to pay attention too to the last bowel movement containing those items, because that'll give you that window of about how long it's taking for things to pass through. Wow. So if it's too fast, if it's coming out too fast, that's, that's a problem that it shows right. that your body's not digesting, absorbing, absorbing. Mm-hmm. And then what if it's like slow, like too long? Is that, is there such a thing as that? Yeah, absolutely. That's the constipation piece. And when we're constipated, we're at risk of then reabsorbing the toxins that are clearing out. So, I mean, people don't like to think about what poop is made of, but a big component of it is the toxic waste products that the body really needs to get rid of. And, you know, it could be chemical toxins. It could be hormones that we need to clear out. Um, It could be lots of different things, but if we are not clearing them out, then those toxins can reabsorb right back through the colon wall. Um, So we're increasing our toxic burden that way. And, you know, we have to remember too, there are microbes that are living in the colon. So if stool is hanging out for too long, there is some, um, some waste product food that we just didn't get to that. We don't need that's coming through. We're feeding those bugs for better, for worse, depending on what the composition is, right. It might be feeding some bugs that we really don't want in there. And then we got a problem. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's so important. I'm, I'm glad that you brought this up. I think we don't talk about these things enough because it's uncomfortable for people to yeah, hear, sure. <laughs> but it's, it's such an indicator of health as a whole. And, and so yeah. someone could do this test and then contact you and be like, okay, <laughs> I've got an issue. What do I need to do? And you could start puzzle piecing. Mm-hmm, exactly. That, I love that. Well, let me ask you because we are running out of time. Um, 
my favorite question to ask people is if you could give one piece of advice to spark wholeness, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say just coming off of the conversation that we just did to make sure you're getting enough fiber because with that fiber is coming a whole ton of really important vitamins and minerals. And we need those vitamins and minerals and fiber to feed our microbiome and to feed our bodies. That's really one of the only ways that we're going to get the nutrients in naturally and really just ensure a basic baseline of, of what we might need. Yeah. And by fiber, just to make sure everybody hears this, we're not talking Metamucil. No, we are talking. Thank you. The rainbow of fruits and vegetables and also whole grains. If you tolerate whole grains, well, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's important. A lot of people are confused about grains. We mm -hmm. could go into that. We don't have time for that's it, a whole other. <laughs> but it's a whole other conversation, but, um, they do have a role, you know, mm -hmm. it is a whole food that has a role in a balanced diet. Yeah, definitely can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. Okay. So where can people contact you, find out more information about what you're doing? Yeah. Thanks. Um, so my website is foodwiththoughtnutrition.com. And from there, um, you're able to contact me if you have any questions or send an email. So I'd, I'd love to hear from people, answer any questions they may have. Awesome. I'm so, this was such a good conversation. It went by way too fast. Um, but I think we got, it's just, it's a good basic, like gut health determines everything. everything. And so, yeah. I mean, when we're talking mental health, when we're talking functional medicine, if you don't know where to start, you start in the gut. Exactly. Yeah. It tells us so much. So thank you so, so much for this conversation. And I am excited for listeners to hear. So I appreciate the time you took to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's really my pleasure. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.